Hey, hey, it's Nick. You're listening to a certain degree. I appreciate you listening to this episode, this edition of To a Certain Degree. You may not know this, but WPRK is not on the air this summer. And so I have not been on the air live for a couple of months now. We want to make sure that everybody's safe in the studio, obviously. So I thought it would be a good idea instead of just recording people in an interview setting over Zoom or something along those lines where they don't have the added pressure of being in a radio studio or something along those lines, uh, is looking back to some of the interviews that I've done that I've done in the past with some of the brilliant and amazing people around Central Florida and pulling pieces and parts, little lovely nuggets of uh, smart insight, advice, uh, things that people have done uh, that might help other people, that might help you listening right now. Uh, So these are people who have been on the show. The theme for this episode is music, uh, musicians. So I can't fit all the musicians that have been on to a certain degree over the years into one episode. So I decided to try to do four at a time. Katie Patton, The Kitchen Killers, Billy and the Commodore, Mark with a C, and Jesse James Allen are all featured. And I appreciate all the time that they gave me, not only in the original interviews, but just making sure that I had the latest music, that I could play stuff, what's going on with them right now. Um, and it was just really, really kind of them to give me all their energy and allow me to include their music on this episode. And I think I'll have a bonus episode tomorrow with, or the next episode will be uh, just their music or mostly their music. Um, This is a wonderful escape. It's a wonderful escape for me. I'm hoping it's an escape for you as well as the listener. But I wanted to also point out that uh, we need uh, things that aren't an escape. We need things, uh, we need journalists. We need local reporting. And two of the best outlets I know of that need support are the Orlando Weekly and WMFE. I know a lot of people at both of those places and I admire the work that they do. Uh, If you have an opportunity to support them however you can, they would appreciate it, I would appreciate it, you will ultimately appreciate it uh, because there's nothing quite like this uh, to get us to a better place, I think, uh, further down the line. Anyway, without further ado, here's the episode from July 13th, 2020 a best of episode with some of the local musicians of Central Florida. Thank you so much. Hello, you are listening to a certain degree. I'm your host, Nick Jorgudio. Thank you for being awake at this hour and every hour, except the ones where you are asleep. And when you're awake, and aware, you get to listen to one of the greatest college radio stations in the world. WPRK 91.5 FM, this this station right here, is an amazing assortment of content, music, and people, both on and off the air, and we're lucky to have them. I encourage you to vote for the station in Orlando Weekly's best of list if you're so inclined. Normally, to a certain degree, is a two-hour show featuring guests from around Central Florida. It's an in-depth interview format, usually with just one guest. You can check out nearly 200 past episodes wherever you get your podcasts or at toacertaindegree.com. This is a special hour-long episode featuring past interviews. In this case, it's a mix of musicians who have visited the WPRK studio to talk about their craft. I believe, and science has confirmed this, that people who make music are magical. A live show, the right song at the right time, a feeling that the music is saying something you've always wanted to say but didn't have the words. Those experiences, how can they be anything less than sorcery of some kind? Central Florida is home to many talented musicians, and I've been lucky enough to have a few of them on the show. Too many to fit in one hour, and so for this episode, we're going to hear from Mark with a C, Billy and the Commodore, aka the Kitchen Killers, and Jesse James Allen. And one more person, let's start it with them, Katie Patton, and a song from her. And then a little bit about her writing process and why the visuals of a song are just as important to her as the words and the melody. This is Animals from Katie Patton on WPRK 
Winter Park, Florida. Got us down with a cheap trick. Nashing teeth on the carousel. What the hell? A hundred lies in the middle of the night. Told one by one. Never thought it would happen like that. There's no way it'll come to this. But then again, it kind of did. A thousand lies in the broad daylight Told one by one on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to A Certain Degree. Good morning, my name is Nick. And the artist who put that song together, who wrote, yes, mm-hmm. you can talk. That's yes. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who performed? Yes. And, uh, okay, so not only did you sing, did you do the instruments on that as well? Um, actually, when it comes to overall production, I have a wonderful friend of mine who helps me out with arranging and production. Oh, nice. Um, so... I, I did go to school a little bit for music production, but I definitely always need help with um, that side of things. So I have a wonderful um, friend, Spencer, who's been, I've been working with for nine years now. Oh, wow. And um, he's like always been my go-to and we write music together. Um, sometimes that particular animals, we actually did um, do some writing together. Um, animals EP, we did a lot of stuff together yeah so i should probably credit spencer on a lot of the animals ep um and that was a really really fun project that we both enjoyed so much and it was really cool being able to see both of us put together our ideas and have something like that come out and um, it kind of just like solidified our belief that like wow we can make some really good music 
And um, so, yeah, which makes me super excited for for the new music I have um, to release soon. That we've finished, yeah. With Spencer as well? Yes. Anytime I can work with Spencer, that's a plus. So one of the things I like to do on the show is try to demystify some of the processes, Mm -hmm. um, especially when it comes to music, because... Uh, I don't want to do too much because for me, music and people who create music is pretty magical, right? I played oboe for a year and that's about the extent I traded a uh, car for guitar lessons one time as well. But for the most part, I have, (laughs) yeah, I have zero musical skills uh, whatsoever. So for me, it's, it's just really, truly amazing that people can, they have this in their heads and they can translate it. So one of the things I wouldn't mind talking about is that collaboration process, because I think, you know, from a pop culture standpoint, when we think about music, it's usually it's either a band or it's usually one person coming up with stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, maybe there is a producer that we see somewhere in it, but it's really that artist. Yeah. But how is it collaborating? Like when you're when you're writing a song or you have the beginnings of a tune in your head, what is it like collaborating with another person on something like that? Um, honestly, it happens different every single time. Um, so even though I've worked with Spencer so many times, it happens the way we finish a song. It's different every single time. So, for example, Animals, um, the, that particular song, um, we actually did remotely. So we weren't even in the same room with each other. And I came to Spencer and I was like, hey, I really want to do song, but I can't come up to Ohio right now. Actually, he was in Korea. So that wasn't even an option. Yeah. Uh, so he was in Korea. And I was like, I really want to do song still. And um, so we made it work to where we we set up uh, writing sessions over, over Skype. And um, we kind of just discussed everything production wise together and and that's, that's as far as writing goes, that's lyrics and the song? For that particular song, we yeah. did sit down on the lyrics together. Um, what happens when when we do work on lyrics together, usually what happens is we'll build a simple track first with a chord progression, and we'll both sit on that chord progression for a really long time. Both of us will go away, we'll write, you know, we'll give ourselves like 15, 20 minutes to really kind of think about this track that we're working with and then we'll come back and we'll come back with the ideas Mm. for the other person and we'll kind of say, Hey, I like that. Or "Mm, I don't really like that. Or, um, or it would be, Oh, I really like what you did there, but what if we did this? And it's kind of like that, that whole collaboration process is really cool. How you can bring to some, bring something and the other person can totally give their spin on it. Yeah. And it kind of just turns into its own, its own thing and you at the end you're just like wow I wouldn't I would have never been able to come up with anything like this by myself and it's so cool um to be able to have that yeah a lot of trust Spencer he's just um he's really good at um just making sure that he he doesn't like to take over the thing but he like he's so good at music theory so he's always good at, at putting the actual uh, music theory stuff in your head that you need to keep re- keep reminding yourself to, to think about. Um, but with this last song, actually, um, it was diff- it was a different process because I actually came um, to him with everything with all of the lyrics and melody written before oh, wow. I came to him. So, um, so for the new song, Spencer wasn't involved with writing any the new song that's coming out soon, he wasn't involved with writing any of the lyrics or melody with me, but um, I sent him a rough demo track of stuff that I had produced by myself and he kind of was able to help me um, add some more arrangements to it and kind of beef it up a little bit, um, kind of with some of Spencerisms, I guess you would say. but his his personal touches on the song too, just because I value his knowledge and and what he does to my music every single time. I um, just always like to make sure that he's there to mix and master everything at the end. So yeah, so the process is different. Sometimes yeah. we get together and we start from scratch, and um, sometimes I come to him with something that's already kind of basically formed, and he just needs to help me with a little bit on the um, the end 
with with arranging and mixing and mastering. So it it's different, but every time we're amazed with with how it comes out. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow. So let me ask you this: Is it something that you've always wanted to do, as far as making music and producing music and creating, you know, an experience for people? I think so. Um, I guess it all, it probably all started growing up. I was heavily involved with musical theater. I was mm-hmm. involved with band, orchestra, and choir in school, and I always loved, you know, being involved with arts and um, making movies home movies and stuff like that and it kind of just developed into when I figured out what I actually loved to do it kind of just balled up into making music and and making videos you know Mm -hmm. and um they all kind of balled up together into one thing so my love for music has turned into you know the music that you hear and then my love for you know film has turned into all the cool music videos that I've been able to to make along the way as well. And, um, I think that's just something I really want to be able to continue to do and get better at. And, um, yeah, just like any other artist. Well, I think it's interesting because you have a very distinct, and I don't know how much of this was collaboration, but the videos that you put out as Mm. well. Uh, and you mentioned that, that it's not just, I wouldn't say limited, but it's not just about the music itself for you. It is about the visuals to an extent. Sure. Yeah. And definitely. So after, after I'm done um, working with Spencer, um, one of my favorite parts is moving over to the visual um, with the music videos. And I have a wonderful friend I've been working with for, uh, I've known them since kindergarten, um, Ryan Keller. Um, He, he's been doing, uh, video for me for a very long time so mm. every time I'm done with a song I go to Ryan I say hey um let's let's work on something and, and again it's a collaborative and again process. it's a collaboration yeah. where he'll listen and he'll give me his ideas of like visuals that he has in mind and I'll give him my ideas of what I'm thinking and and usually we can come come together in the middle with with something and um one of the most recent projects that we worked on, I did a, a cover of David Bowie's Life on Mars. And um, I really, I fell in love with how Ryan did the visuals on yeah. on that video. It was very, very beautiful. So um, he gets better every single time he, he does something. And I'm just very excited for the projects ahead that we have planned. So. Do you feel like without... The video, obviously the song stands on its own, but the video enhances maybe the story or something, a feeling you were trying to convey. Because you're, I don't think that your videos are very literal. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some stuff in Life on Mars, but uh, uh, for the most part, uh, you're not trying to make a literal storytelling interpretation of your song. You're You're doing it through visuals. There's a color palette that's very, mm-hmm. I think, very well thought out. Yeah. And that sort of thing. I think Ryan does a very tasteful yeah. job of making sure that the visuals are um, enhanced, are enhanced, are enhancing the song yeah. really and, and not really taking too much away from from the music. Well, I think there are there's definitely those videos um, and I've had, you know, uh, plenty of them where you see maybe it's the first time you're listening to the song and you see it with the video mm-hmm. and there's something about it that really speaks to you. But then when you listen to the song by itself, it's like, oh, this is, it's not as impactful. Yeah. Right. So I think I like the videos where it enhances the song, but isn't necessarily uh, so dependent or codependent, if you will. That's good. That's good to know. Then you know that you have a song that can stand on its own. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think I think visually, and especially more recently with um, the internet and everything, people are people are hungry for visuals for stuff. Oh, um, for sure, yeah. So if you can have a really good song with some good visuals out there for pe- to to um, capture people with, they're you know, you're good. You're good to go. That's Katie Patton spelled C-A-I-T-I, from her April 2019 interview. 
I checked in with her recently and she's been busy since then. She's living the camper life, making music remotely and with her brain. I mean directly with her brain. She's experimenting with a brain computer interface that translates her thoughts into sounds, which I'm glad she's doing that and and I'm not. Follow Katie on Facebook and Instagram for new music, new videos, and amazing pictures of the bread she's been baking. I'm hoping she combines bread and brainwaves in music all into a new album. Food and music have gone together for literally thousands of years, and there's a band that mixes the two flawlessly. That band is the Kitchen Killers. The band's members, Billy and the Commodore, are a traveling acoustic duo who would normally crash a kitchen every Friday night, performing music and talking about the food being served. Here they are from way back in January 2018, performing two songs on the air live, discussing their songwriting process, and being super humble about their immense talents. This is June from The Kitchen Killers on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. story about a boy in West Virginia He flew from California Met a sweet bright girl named June They crossed lives one Saturday This past November At a party to remember A good friend gone too soon And as we We gather here today to take the pain away To face another day Without you I know we don't appreciate The time we have today To make life beautiful story about a girl from Indiana She drove to West Virginia Met a sweet bright boy named Dean They crossed lives one Saturday This past November At a party to remember A good friend gone from me And as we We gather here today to stave off the pain To brave another day Without you I know we don't appreciate The time we have today To make life beautiful Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. That was a great job, Nick. Sounded awesome, Dan. Thank you. I was doing the um, uh, the unelectric uh, triangle, and you played it flawlessly. I really appreciate you guys unplugging that for of me. Of course. 
Because oh. I feel like acoustic triangle is way better. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, it's good. <laughs> Our rehearsals have been solid. The Commodore and I have been listening to the tracks you've been sending, and you are spot on. Thank Probably you. the best Thank you so unplugged much. electronic triangle player We've I've ever, ever heard. Yeah. June, where did that song come from? Uh, the guitar, to be honest with you. That started out with just me kind of sitting on my bed messing around with the guitar. I just mm -hmm. play a lot, and it the sound started to kind of uh, come into fruition on its own. So normally with something like that, once I find the, the melody of the guitar, the lyrics kind of write itself, the story writes itself. So a lot of the times stories like this come from an experience or come from something that I, either I've experienced or a friend has experienced. But this one is kind of new for me, to be completely honest with you. This one kind of came out of one of my friends a long time ago said all songs are already written. And then people are chosen to receive them. And I don't necessarily know if that's 100% or not, but it's really an interesting thing when people say, where did that song come from? And sometimes I don't have an answer, and sometimes I don't know what the song's about until years and years and years later when it matches up to something going on in my life where I'm like, oh, that's what this song is about. Cool. So sometimes you have a melody or something like that, and it's just been hanging out for a while, and then you're like, oh, okay, that's the yeah. match that I was waiting for. Yeah, my, my friend Jimmy has always told me that songs that tell stories uh, can are easier for a lot of people to connect to. So this just kind of started out, and I've been writing it for a long time. I, I don't spend a lot of time writing a song, but sometimes it takes a long time to write, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. you know. So with this, I wrote part, part when I started, and I came up with a guitar melody. I wrote part actually sitting on the patio at Dragon Con is where I came up with the idea for the second verse. And then the third verse kind of finished itself and told a complete story. I don't know a guy named Dean or a woman named June. I have no idea if this story ever actually happened, but if it did, that'd be pretty cool. Dean and June, if you're out there. This song's for you. Okay. I was going to say give us a call. Yes, at WPRK. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Uh, Commodore, where did you? Where does your part come in as far as the writing process goes? Uh, the kitchen. Yeah, uh, we hang out in the kitchen a lot. So uh, he was he 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 ditties with the with some of the guitar licks that he comes up with, and yep. he happened to be you know playing that one. I was like, yeah, that's that sounds cool. I I grabbed my guitar and I just started fiddling with it. Came up with like a, just a simple little melody, and uh, so this one this one was also something new for me. Like I wanted to make my guitar parts as simple as possible, but but still really really effective. So what I'm really good at is is in a song like he'll he'll come up with the base of the song and and all the lyrics. This guy's phenomenal with lyrics. He can he can tell a story like nobody I I know. Uh, Thank you. But it's when he's got the base of the song down, I like filling all the holes. You know, there's uh, all the chords that are in the songs. Mm -hmm. There's there, not every single note's being played. So I like try to fill those holes uh, as as subtly as possible. Yeah, I was going to ask: Is one of the challenges like when to play a little bit more, but when to hold back? Like, oh, of course, yeah, always, of course. When I play, how much, how much I play, like what notes I'm playing, how loud I'm playing. Like, it, there's always got to be a focus in the song. Like, if he's singing, that's the focus. If there's a melody going on, that's the focus. So there's times that, and we both understand that we we go back and forth. We and there should always be a melody in the song. Yes. Like once a vocal melody ends, an instrumental melody picks up. Sometimes the lack of a melody could be the melody because it's interpretive and people are going to fill in the blanks naturally. But you always want something singing. You know, so a lot of the times, especially with stuff like this, and I, I purposely wrote this song as sporadic as I could to make sure I had a basic structure and I could tell a story if I had to do it by myself, but I really tried to leave a lot of empty space on the canvas for what he could do. And this is not necessarily the type of writing that he has normally done to the songs that we have created before, but this one he really sings on the guitar and I think... It, it offered an interesting canvas that we had never really tried before. And he came to me pretty much the the next day after he had listened to it the night before. He's like, I'm going to kill this one. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about this one, which I was excited for because he doesn't play around. You know, so when he brought that and I could kind of hear him practicing because yeah. we, we have a two story house and like the, the upper level is the Commodores. And then I kind of reside on the bottom level. But the sound reverberates through the house so I can hear him writing some of the little ditties that he comes up with. And it's always really exciting because he, he brings a polished version, like a polished version 1.0. And then we play through it. We make sure that there's no uh, that there's no melodies that are clashing with each other, that the guitar doesn't take away from the vocals and the vocals don't take away from the guitar. Sometimes the guitar's melody is good enough. You don't need a vocal melody on top of it. It's singing enough. You know, so we try to make sure that we don't really step on each other. And we kind of keep that, you know, that bouncing ball of, of melody going mm. back and forth until the song's over. And then we try to give it a unanimous resolution, which gives a nice, easy feeling to an end of a song and makes people feel, okay, cool, that was a full story. Now I'm able to process it for a little bit before the next song begins.
Uh, this is another original. This is called uh, Drift Slide Collide. Shuttles run in circles, silhouetting as they pass me by. On the waters, prancing ponies, only drifting through this 2D life. Won't you take my hand and trust me? Won't you leave from pain and touch my foot? There's some space right beside me. I could be just what you're looking for is we drift, slide, collide, explode to something undiscovered, something that could lead my world to love, slide, collide, to something special. I might join you in your painting. If you join me in my 3D world, I'll run up in horizontal. If you would be my 3D girl, as we drift, slide, collide, explode to something unpredictable, something that could lead my world to love, slide, collide, grow mountains with rivers running rapid, like waterfalls, I'm coming home to you. Slide, collide, explode to something unpredictable, something that could lead my work to love. Slide, collide to something special. Collide to something special. Something undiscovered, something that could lead my world to love. Slide, collide, grow mountains with rivers running rapid. Like waterfalls, I'm coming home to you. To something special Collide to something special We can't hear all the people clapping on that are listening to the radio right now, but there's obviously oh, yeah. that's happening. Thousands, right hundreds now. of millions. Well, thank you guys, and thank you everybody that's listening to the radio station. Nick most certainly appreciates it. It's because of listeners like you that we're able to keep such a phenomenal program going. I understand Rollins also appreciates it, as does all of us here at the Kitchen Killers, including the Commodore Shelley Wheeler and myself. Love you guys. Nick, anything, anything else to add? Yeah, to I don't know that I do this because of the listeners at all, though. Oh, no? No, I 
might just do this for fun. Okay, well, hey, that's good. That's this what you should really, do every day. Well, I mean, you're having fun. Well, this is my excuse to talk to incredible people around Orlando. So it's wonderful if other people want to participate either by sure. listening or by suggesting people or by following me on Facebook or going to a website called toacertaindegree.com and listening to past episodes and such. But so when do the incredible people come on? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Are they after us? Are they, is, it the, is it 9 o'clock? Is that when you start Aww. the incredible people? Should we stay here for them? Is that why we had to get here you guys <laughs> being so humble? <laughs> I mean, no, seriously. The Kitchen Killers can be found on the social medias. And I encourage you to check them out on Facebook, especially. Billy and the Commodore do live shows three nights a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And once the coast is clear, you can book them to crash your kitchen too. Video games. Are they the most perfect art form ever created? Even if your answer is no, there's still music in the games. So that's my clumsy segue to the incredibly talented Jesse James Allen. Actually, we do talk about food again in this conversation, but in relation to making sound effects for video games. Here's Jesse from January of 2018, discussing a range of topics, including Foley artistry, vinyl, taking a chance on the dance floor, and remixing a hit record. I spent a huge percentage of my life doing sound for video games. I've done 53 AAA video games. When you uh, say AAA video games, what does that mean? That, uh, like, Madden, Need for Speed. Yeah, okay. uh, so big video games. Big video games, yeah. Um, and a lot of those, especially in their, you know, I entered that industry kind of as the transition from the PS2 era, PlayStation 2 era, into the Xbox 360, PS3, all the way up to the, the more modern consoles. Um, early on in the, the game, we used to, you know, there would be some licensed musics in the game, but they would also have the sound designers compose a lot of the stuff to fill out sure. all those, you know, billion different submenus that you have in a video game. Yep. And uh, that was a really joyous experience. You know, it uh, gave you a chance to not only... You know, be cool with and try out different sounds, but to try out different genres of music and all that, depending on whatever game you were working on. So for Madden, the sounds of all the hits and everything, did you guys have to, were you actually tackling people in your office in order to <laughs> not, not, not at the office. No, we'd actually go out on uh, at various locations and, you know, have athletes do all this stuff for us and, and get the, <laughs> or, you know, pad clacks or any of that kind of stuff, you know, certainly very much like fully for a uh, Yeah, a I know, so yeah. coconut for the horses. Yeah, exactly. I know there's a lot of horses uh, in Madden. Had, I know yeah. one of the uh, mixed martial arts games, we just had like a big roast beef and everybody's punching the beef, you know. So <laughs> hilarious. Back to the meat thing. So, uh, yeah. And that was real meat. That was not, that was not any soy. kind of yeah. soy-based or alternative Although there was meat. one of those, uh, I think we were doing uh, Warhammer. We were doing the sound design for Warhammer. And, As we uh, all do sometimes. Yeah. And uh, we were trying to get the sound of, you know, like battle scenes or whatnot. So we brought in all this fruit, like watermelons and stuff. And we had just tarped the entire soundstage. And we were just sitting there with katanas and stuff and swords and knives, like making fruit salad, right? You know, it's like and we had a nice uh, feast afterwards. Yeah. I would not eat any of that <laughs> afterwards. I don't know where your katana has been, but yeah. I can tell you that uh, it's probably not clean enough for me. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to say that I'm a germaphobe, but yeah. that's not going to cut it. Yeah, literally and figuratively for me. But uh, yeah, that was uh, that was later on. Uh, I, I did a lot of that stuff, and it was a lot of fun. We had some great people I work with there. So from a uh, music perspective, I understand that you had a, uh, you would call it an accidental, accident, uh, accidental, no, accidental contribution to a Billboard album? Yes. So uh, way back, another world, another time. Okay, going way back uh, in the 90s, I was a, like, basically how I started my career is I was a synthesizer programmer, and we're talking like the old Oberheim and Roland synthesizers back when if you wanted cool sounds, you had to make them yourself. You yeah. didn't have like a thousand presets kind of thing. Uh, so I learned how to do that um, and just became this kind of technical guy. Wound up getting hired as a record mastering engineer, like vinyl record mastering engineer. Oh, very Way cool. back in the day, yeah. which is way more of an alchemy than a science, right? You got right. this huge grand piano looking thing that's, you know, cutting into uh, acetate. Well, something you have to take into consideration is there's a needle and there's a groove. And if you don't mix it right, 
it can actually knock the needle out of oh, the groove, yeah. right? Yeah, you use the microscope to set that. Uh, oh it's like how, how, how much amplitude you could give it, which was kind of the loudness of the album. But if you made it too loud, it would break into the other grooves. But we also used to do other stuff too, like lock groove albums, which were like sample loops almost. Like you'd drop the needle, but you didn't have an advancer on the uh, the cutting lathe. And it would cut a perfect circle in the uh, the vinyl that you could feed sound into and then you could move it manually and you could put like a hundred loops on an album. So if somebody put a <laughs> the needle down, it would just play that loop endlessly. Over and, and over again. And if you picked it up and moved it over a couple of grooves, it would play something else. Anyway, I digress. Um, what had happened there was I really got into the whole electronic music scene when that just kind of came out in mid nineties. So what I would do is I, I feel think, like that's a different way than a lot of people got into the music oh, electronic yeah. music scene in the mid 90s. But you know the funny part about that is what I would do is I would, you know, spend a good chunk of my week in down in the basement making electronic music tracks and then after I got done with my shift as a record mastering engineer, I would just buy an extra acetate, cut an album of like here's the latest thing that I've done in my basement or whatever. And then that Saturday night, go down to the dance club and just hand the DJ an album, say, could you play this for me? And sometimes they would, sometimes they wouldn't. And it was great because if they did, uh, you know, you could like kind of watch the audience reaction. This is how you like evolved as a composer is like, did people were you they actually into can it? see it. On yeah. A, were they yeah. into it and, and or not? Feedback. Or did they just yeah. migrate to the bar? And uh, it was, you know, <laughs> funny because I, yeah, it definitely had many times where they just kind of migrated to the bar. But there was those times that it was like, yeah, you, you got into a groove and uh, people were loving it. And you're like, I made this. And they're like, you're drunk. <laughs> so, uh, you know, they never believe be true. it. Yeah. They never believe it. Um, so, but the local DJ community noticed that. They're like, there's this guy that's like coming out and he's bringing albums. And so I used to help them cut their their demos and acetates and stuff as well. And uh, one of them, his name was DJ Dealer. He, uh, he had had a connection with 8-Ball Records. And he said, hey, I'm working on a pretty high-profile project for Joey Cardwell. Would you like to be a part of this? Uh, to help with programming and some of the keyboard parts. And I'm like, sure. And I went over to this guy's basement and he had like an ARP 2600 and all these other like awesome vintage synths. And we spent the evening doing a remix for Joey Cardwell. It was a song called You Gotta Pray. And, uh, you know, we even got paid sort of like between the three of us, we got like 500 bucks. And I was so excited because like I never had been paid for a remix, you know. And uh, weeks go by and my friend says, hey, that song is number 36 on the uh, Billboard Top 100. And I just, I couldn't even fathom that, like, at that age, you know. It's like, oh, my God, we're on the Billboard. And we just kind of watched in awe as a week after week, that thing just climbed and climbed and climbed. And, uh, yeah, in September 96, it sat there for two weeks That's at cool. number one. That's and, uh, you know, I, I had, I was going under the alias Kid Sonic back then. And, uh it was cool to see, a, you know, a number one album and it's, you know, produced by and it's got all of our names on there. And uh, and it actually was kind of my, you know, resume breaker, I guess, to get into the audio industry professionally. Because uh, like, you went in. OK, so let me ask you then on your resume at that point. Yeah. Jesse Allen, Jesse James Allen. Kid Sonic, <laughs> Jesse James Allen, a.k.a. Kid Sonic. Yeah. Like, what did you do? Uh well, in the music world, I was Kid Sonic, and then just, you know, my professional life, I was just Jesse James Allen. Um, but it was kind of interesting because I had just been a second engineer or intern at, you know, studios trying to work my way up. And that was kind of an interesting turning point is like, hey, guess what? The intern just did this, you know, kind of thing. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it led to bigger things. And that was, it. and that kind of like progressed into a lot of different parts of my life. So. Hey, it's me, Nick. Connect with Jesse on social media or attend a local storytelling event and you'll probably see him there, either in the audience or spinning yarns at places like Orlando Story Club. There's so much to unpack in this conversation with Jesse and you can listen to the entire interview wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for To a Certain Degree or you can also find all the past episodes at To a Certain Degree, that's T-O-A, Certain Degree, Dot com. Three of those past episodes feature the one and only Mark Sardorius, a.k.a. Mark with a C. 
If you don't know who Mark with a C is, look to your left, then look to your right. Chances are one of those people has been to a Mark with a C show and knows the words to at least three songs. It's the 20th anniversary of him performing under that moniker. And well, I'll just let him explain it because it's a lot easier that way. 20th anniversary of the persona Mark with a C. Uh, the best I've been able to trace seems to be around December 7th of 1999. I was working for a group named Precious. I was the roadie mm -hmm. and lead singer, uh, lead guitarist Steve Guerin was fashionably late quite often. And uh, But in this particular case, it wasn't really Steve's fault. Uh, this is just as memory serves back at that time. This was at the old Kit Kat Club, which thankfully wasn't much for alliteration. And um, basically it was like a package show. Someone either didn't show up or the show was running short. Audience was getting a little, hey, we'd like to see something right now. Uh, That's they a polite way of putting it. Can anybody just get on the stage and do a thing? And since they had seen me up there tuning Steve's guitar or whatever I was doing, it sort of fell on me like, hey, can you entertain this audience? And I'm like, well, I was in other bands, sure, but I've got some silly songs, the, the type of like dumb song that you just make up while you're washing the dishes. Sure. I'm like, yeah, I can, I can do that for like 20 minutes. So I go on. I open with the Laverne and Shirley theme, which is just the last thing anybody's expecting. And this makes the whole room shut up. This is something they have not done all night for the groups that they came to see. And the next thing I knew, my phone started ringing. And I've been doing that persona ever since. Now, the good part of it being a persona is I get to shut it off sometimes. Yeah. But I've written a book to explain just how deeply I live the persona when I'm living the persona how little time that leaves for Mark, the human being, and the dissonance in between. And that book is called Maybe It'll Be Good, My Life is Mark with a C. So you can know everything and all the good parts all at once. Everything that's not in those, those are all the bad parts, maybe. And it's all in there. Oh, gosh, yeah. The thing is so revealing. It. When I was done reading the author copy, it's yeah. one thing to look at your manuscript and go like, yeah, I've nailed it. It's one thing to hold the book, though, and go, wait, other people have to contend with this information. Oh, gosh, I don't have secrets anymore. It's all out there. Yeah, you put yourself out there. You made yourself raw and open to the world. But I think the other thing is the expectation of you being Mark with a C all the time versus that is being that is a persona. Like, in many cases, we don't think about, not that you would consider yourself a celebrity, but we don't think about people who put themselves out there like you do, uh, we don't often humanize them, right? Oh, they're you're... often a commodity. Uh, they're often a, uh, uh, you know, on a pedestal for us. Um, and so you humanizing yourself like that, I think is, is, all, is not only an interesting move, but it's very indicative of your personality. And I think what people get if they go to your shows, if they listen to your music and that sort of thing. I, I appreciate you seeing it from that perspective. Uh, I can, I can boil it down really simply and take the, the entire idea of celebrity and musician out of it. Um, think about any job you have where mm -hmm. you act unnaturally. What, when you do something or treat somebody that you don't know in a way that does not come naturally to you, you've got your work face on. Yeah. And uh, for music, multiply that by 4,000 because you have to engage, you have to exaggerate the excitement that you have for the music. Um, and in my case, there's so much excitement for the music that when I exaggerate it, it, it must be very, very, very contagious for me to be here 20 years later because what I do is not typical. And in my case, uh, th there are many musicians like me, but we never get our stories told mm -hmm. until either we pass away or someone puts it together through conjecture or someone's going, oh, did you hear about this thing that Mark did? And that sort of defines you way later. Instead, just telling it from your perspective, here's what it's like to go to quote-unquote work and then try to shut it off. That story is not often told, and I'm thankful to be one of the first and few that bothered to tell the tale. And hopefully it's important to someone one day, but if it's not, maybe it'll just be an entertaining read or an entertaining listen. I think it'll be interesting to see or get feedback from other musicians 
who read it because I think that in not that it's appealing only to musicians obviously anybody who's uh, picked up uh, an instrument is not necessarily considering themselves a musician anybody who listens to music and likes music and appreciates uh, the art and the craft of music would also like the book but I'm curious if uh, other musicians can read your book and then learn something from it and maybe even further their own careers based on that. You know, that actually hadn't dawned on me. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not being glib here for radio, Nick. I Sincerely, that hadn't dawned on me. Earlier this year, I did a one-man, two-act music story called The Obscurity Show, mm-hmm. and that genuinely was... Well, one, it was a labor of love and something I very much needed to do and put into the world. But secondly, it was also there to stimulate creatives and especially people who didn't know they were creatives. I believe that everybody is a creative and just kind of doesn't believe they can do it, but they yeah. are to an extent. Um, sure, some of us are more left-brained, more right-brained, but everybody wakes up at some point and wants to do a thing. And if you do that, you are a creative, period. Uh I know that that show stimulated creatives because of some things that happened in its wake. Mm -hmm. There were legitimately local musicians who were going, wait, I can write original songs and show them to people and I don't have to just get signed and wait for that moment. And now um, a great example is a young lady named Crystalie who's now opening for me on a lot of shows. But Crystalie didn't necessarily have that faith in themselves until the words, maybe it'll be good, hit them in the obscurity show. They had no idea that maybe it'll be good was going to be the name of a box set. They had no idea that it was going to be the name of a book and basically the name of an entire promotional year. They just heard those words and were like, yeah, I can create and maybe it won't suck. And then they went home that night and wrote their first original song in a while put it on YouTube and overnight like 800 views pour in like, Oh, it was good. What do you know? So I, I kind of felt like I got that out of my system in a way, but yeah, this, maybe the book can do. Oh my gosh. I have a new way to sell the book. Thank (laughs) you, Nick. You got it. That's what I'm here for. All about. I would be thrilled to know what it, how it lands with other, other creatives. I would be thrilled to know that. If you want to learn more about Mark, go to markwithac.com. You will find the book we just discussed, Maybe It'll Be Good, My Life as Mark with a C. You'll find his three CD or three LP vinyl set, Maybe It'll Be Good, The Best of Mark with a C. 20 years worth of stuff is a lot to go through, and so he picked some great anecdotes for the book and a lot of good insights, and along with, of course, amazing songs. I would also encourage you to check out Mark with a C on Amazon Prime, or if you would like to just buy his show directly. Uh, He did a show called The Obscurity Show last year, which was really amazing and something you can stream right now on Amazon Prime if you choose to do so. I want to play one song by Mark before we get going, and then one quote from him that didn't make it into that cut, but I think that talks about his creative process and what happens or what has happened whenever he has that anxiety of the creative. Is this good? Is this something that I should release? Is this something I should put out into the world? So I'm going to leave you with that and then one song from Mark. I want to thank all of my guests today, Katie Patton, uh, Billy and the Commodore, the Kitchen Killers, Jesse James Allen, and of course, Mark with a C. Stick around for the next hour of To a Certain Degree. I'll be playing some more music by all four of those artists, along with other artists from the around the Orlando area. And I really appreciate your time and energy and your ears, especially your ears. I have been Nick Jorgidiu. That was a lot creepier than I intended it to be. I apologize. If you missed any of the show today, it will be up in podcast form at a website called toacertaindegree.com or just subscribe to a certain degree, to a show called To a Certain Degree. It's really confusing. I apologize for that. Mark with a C on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. I live my creative life by two mottos. One is I don't ask myself who's going to get it. I assure myself that the right people will get it. And two, on the days where I'm doubting it and internalizing the creativity and going, uh, this isn't maybe what the world needs or who, do, who is this really servicing? Um, 
on those days, I live my life by the four words. Maybe it'll be good. It can't be good unless I make it. Um, it doesn't even have the chance to be good. If it's not out there. If it's not created, period, for me yeah. to even review it. So the first thing you've got to do is get over yourself and your own hang-up to even make the thing, to even start making it. And I'm still 20 years in every day telling myself, well, maybe this one will be good. And did that apply to this interview? Yes. Even this interview, maybe this will be good. Firing off an email to my pal Nick saying, hey, I love your show. May I be on it again? Mm -hmm. I've got stuff to talk about. There was still that doubt because what we're doing, even though we're just talking here in the microphones, this is still creating. This is still art. This is still radio art. So there is a bit of that, oh, but what if it goes badly? What if I sound terrible on the mic? What if I slip up and swear again? Um, it hasn't happened here. Okay. I did do it in Canada, though. Great. Um, <laughs> I found out they have dump buttons in Canada. Um, oh, they have so many things in Canada. They have a lot of poutine. Mm -hmm. And let me just say, we could learn a lot from the abundance of poutine. Do you see how not angry Canadians are, I think it's down to the amount of starch you can get on every corner. It makes sense. I think all of that tracks. Comfort food everywhere? Come on! <laughs> I orchestrated our descent It's where all of my time went You left town, I up and made A starving artist holiday My body absorbs this Gasoline. No, I won't need Marshall Stack.